Well, how's everyone doing so far? We're about halfway through our worship celebration today. We've been going for about a half an hour. We've sung some songs. We've greeted each other as the church. We've prayed together. We've looked into the Word of God. How are you doing? I do hope you're enjoying our worship celebration today, but I hope that it's more than that too. Because let me tell you, if you're here just to have a good time, then you're missing the point. This morning is more about just having some good music and getting together. I hope this has been a time when you've been able to enter into worship before God. Because it's not about the music, it's not about attending church, it's not even about reading the Bible and saying ritualistic prayers. It's about worshiping God in His presence. That's why we're here. So I hope and pray that you've been enabled to worship this morning. This is our final week in our Get Real message series. And I thought we'd finish up with a talk about real worship. What is real worship? What should real worship look like? We've talked about some of this before, but I thought it'd be good for us to remind ourselves of what real worship is. So what is real worship? Well, it can be lots of things. It can be obeying God and trusting Him, trusting the direction He gives to our lives. It can be expressing gratitude to Him for the many ways He's gifted us and blessed us. It can be service that we perform for others in the name of Jesus. It can be singing His praises with all our heart. Worship is so much more than what normally comes to mind when we say the word worship. So let me give you a definition of what worship is that covers all of these things. This is it. This is what real worship is. Worship is our responsive love to the presence of God. That's simple. It's our responsive love to the presence of God in our lives. It can be expressed as the praise that we give to Him. It can be our obedience to Him. It can be how we honor Him and put Him first, not last, when it comes to our resources. It can be how we seek His direction for our lives. It can be how we allow His love to flow through us to others. All of that is worship. It's much more than the 20 minutes or so of music that we have here on Sunday morning. Worship can be expressed through every aspect of our lives, every day of our lives. It's not just the music we sing. It's not just the words we say. It's not just the things we do. Worship is a way of life. Michael W. Smith has said that worship is a lifestyle. It's not just about leading worship on Sunday morning. It's getting to know the guy in the Mexican restaurant or the person you see at the grocery store. God has so many facets of worship. And Mike Yankee has said, Understand that worship is more than just the songs we sing or the time in church that those songs are sung. Worship is an attitude and a lifestyle. Don't limit yourself by believing that it's just the music. Live it. That's what true worship is all about. And so here this morning at sunrise, we're going to expand on that. And we're going to talk about what it means to live a life of real worship. What is real worship like? And to describe it, let me give you an acronym for worship. We're going to take each letter from the word worship, and I'm going to give you a different component or a different definition of what worship should be. Real worship, first of all, will be wholehearted. The W stands for wholehearted. Real worship will be wholehearted. Real worship should affect every area of your life, every day of your life. It should be an expression of everything you are to the glory and honor of God. And so it's not just singing a few songs while organizing your shopping list in your mind. True worship requires every part of you to be focused on giving Him the honor He alone deserves. Rick Warren has said that worship must be genuine and heartfelt. It's not just a matter of saying the right words. You must mean what you say. Heartless praise is not praise at all. It is worthless and an insult to God. 
If we look in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, in uh, Psalm 105, verse 3, in the contemporary English version, it says, Celebrate and worship his holy name with all your heart. With all your heart. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it expands on that just a little bit. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 10, it says, But you must decide once and for all to worship him with all your heart and soul and to obey everything in the book of God's law. So worship him with all your heart and soul. In fact, in another place, it says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's loving him and worshiping him with everything you've got. That's what our worship should be. Real worship should also be obvious yet personal. That's what the O stands for, obvious yet personal. Now, when I say it should be obvious, I'm not saying that you should try to show off when you're worshiping God, but I am saying that you shouldn't hide it either. Let me ask you this. In the Old Testament, where was worship of God the most obvious? What place? It was the temple, wasn't it? Why was that? Well, it was because the temple was the visible representation of God among his people. It was the visible dwelling place of God. Now jump forward to the New Testament, and what do we discover there? We discover that the temple is no longer just a place. We, you and I, we are now the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul wrote, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? And Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, And now God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. So now we are the visible presence of God. In the Old Testament, it was a building. It was a temple. In the New Testament, it became believers. You and I are now the spiritual temple of God. We are now his visible dwelling place on earth. We, you and me, not a building, we are the temple of God. We're the visible presence of God in this world. And so just like worship was obvious in the temple of the Old Testament, it needs to be obvious in us, in our lives today. It shouldn't be a secret, it should be visible. But at the same time, our worship should not be dependent on having others around to witness it. Because we don't worship for show. And so while it should be obvious in that it shouldn't be hidden, It should also be personal, not necessarily private, but personal, and there is a difference. Let me give you an example of this. The Pharisees, the religious leaders in Israel at the time of Jesus, they'd love to put on a show and make their worship obvious, but they neglected the personal part of worship. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus attacked this hypocrisy that was so evident in their lives. In Matthew chapter 6, just looking at a few different verses, Jesus said, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. And he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And he said, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. What was Jesus saying here? What was the problem? Well, the problem here wasn't so much that people knew that the Pharisees were giving to the needy or that they prayed or that they fasted. The problem wasn't that people knew those things. The problem was why they did those things. The Pharisees did those things. The hypocrites did those things so that people would know. 
For them, their expressions of worship were not personal. They were promotional. They were promoting themselves instead of promoting God. And that, my friends, is not real worship. So don't be like them. Let your worship be obvious. Yes, it shouldn't be a secret that you worship God. Like Daniel in the Old Testament. He worshiped God in the window and people could see him and ended up getting him in trouble because of it, because his worship of God was obvious. So it shouldn't be a secret that you worship God, but it, it should be personal. If worship is a way of life for you, it shouldn't matter if there are people around who notice or not, because your worship will be authentic. It will be real. It will be obvious yet personal. Worship also needs to be regular but not routine. It should be ongoing in your, in your life. But be careful that you don't just end up going through the motions. Don't allow worship to become just a routine. Let it be regular, but don't make it a routine. Let me talk about the times we offer worship to God here on Sunday mornings through our music. Remember, music, we use music as a way to worship God. The music itself is not worship. But one of the things we want to avoid is getting to the point where we get so comfortable with our songs or so bored by them that we stop thinking about them. And that's why we introduce new songs here and why we revamp old ones from time to time. We try to keep our music fresh so that your worship will be fresh and not the same old, same old. In Psalm 33, verse 3, it says, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. So let me encourage you. When we're singing here on Sunday mornings, don't just dismiss it as preliminary to what's really important. Because our music is not just a warm-up for the message. It's a time to connect with God. It's a time to worship Him. And because of that, it's as important, if not more important, than anything else we do. So use that time to think about the words and reflect on who God is, uh, who He is to you, and focus yourself on Him and offer to God the worship that He alone deserves. But that's just Sunday mornings. We're talking about making worship a way of life. Our worship of God should permeate into every area of our lives, every day of our lives. In everything you do, do it with a heart of adoration and gratitude and obedience to God. That's worship. And don't let it grow old. Never dismiss the importance of that. Keep it fresh. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11, it says, Trust the Lord in His mighty power. Worship Him when? Worship Him always. The S in the word worship stands for sacrificial. Real worship is sacrificial. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, there is an interesting event in the life of David. David wanted to buy some property. He wanted to buy a threshing place from a man named Arona so that he could build an altar there to worship the Lord with a sacrifice. But when David asked, Arona answered David by telling him that he could have the place for free. He wouldn't even charge him for it. In fact, Arona offered not only to give him the place, but also to give him the oxen and the grain that may be used on the altar. But look at how David responded. First Chronicles 21, verse 24. But David replied, No, I want to pay you what they're worth. I can't just take something from you and then offer the Lord a sacrifice that cost me nothing. True worship will cost you something, whether it's time or money or reputation or energy or anything else. God doesn't want your leftovers, and frankly, he doesn't deserve that. He deserves our very best. That's why you make being here a priority. That's why you schedule to read your Bible and pray every day. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. That's why you tithe and give back to God from what he has given you. 
And you do it right off the top instead of waiting to see what's left at the end of the week. That's why you get involved in ministry, serving God by serving others. Even when sometimes you don't feel like it because real worship will cost you something. It will involve sacrifice. Real worship will also be honoring to God. That's the H, honoring to God. In Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7, it says, I'll tell you what it really means to worship the Lord. Remove the chains of prisoners who are chained unjustly. Free those who are abused. Share your food with everyone who's hungry. Share your home with the poor and homeless. Give clothes to those in need. Don't turn away from your relatives. <laughs> I always like that last part. And with Christmas approaching, maybe you needed to be reminded of that last part. Don't turn away your relatives. Uh, but what are these verses telling us? They're telling us that our worship needs to be pure and it needs to be authentic. It needs to be practical, not just abstract and theoretical. It should lead you to do things that are pleasing to God. You know what? You can clean toilets to the worship of God if you do it in a way that's honoring to Him. In fact, last weekend, uh, we planned to go to businesses downtown and offer to clean their toilets just to express the love of God to those business owners in a practical way. Now, it didn't really work out for us to do that last week, and so we're rescheduling that. We're planning on doing it in just a few more weeks from now. So you're on notice. See you there. Let's go downtown, let's express God's love, and worship Him by offering to clean the washrooms of the business owners downtown. It's just as an expression of God's love to them. Actually, did you know that, that one of the times that the Apostle Paul was arrested and thrown into prison, he was very likely sitting in a prison that doubled as a sewer? And what did he do while he was there? He worshipped God. And I figure if Paul can worship God while sitting in a toilet, I can worship God while cleaning one. The I in worship stands for impacting my life. Real worship will be impacting my life. Calvin Coolidge said, It is only when men begin to worship that they begin to grow. Now remember, worship is really for the benefit of the one that we worship. So our worship is really for God. We don't worship God for what we'll get out of it. But God, being God, is innately selfless. So when you do worship Him, He gives back to you. And so when you worship God, you will see an impact on your own life. How does God do that? Well, He gives you a feeling of satisfaction that you're doing what you were meant to do, worship Him. In fact, you'll not be fully satisfied with life until you begin to worship God. He also reveals Himself to us as we worship, so you'll learn more about who He is and what He's really like. You come to know him better and love him more. Plus, we experience the peace of God as we worship. Our problems may not disappear, but they certainly fade. We gain a brand new perspective on life as we worship. In fact, there's an old hymn that expresses that thought. In fact, Alan Jackson has recently redone this song. You may be familiar with it. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So when we worship, it changes our outlook on life. And it also impacts the way that God transforms us into the people that he intends for us to be. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's our spiritual act of worship to present ourselves to God and allow Him to transform our lives. 
When we worship, we become more like what we worship. So as we worship God, he makes us more like himself. And finally, our, our worship, real worship, will be prayerful. Prayer and worship are interconnected. In fact, let me show you this. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, in the contemporary English version, it's translated this way. It says, he told them, Jesus told them, the scriptures say, my house should be called a place of worship. That's the contemporary English version. But in the New Living Translation, the same verse, using the same original manuscripts, that same passage is translated into English with these words. The scriptures declare, my temple will be called a place of prayer. The same word is translated as both worship and prayer. Now, I'm no Greek scholar, but obviously there's a connection between the two. If prayer and worship can both be derived from the same manuscript, from the same words in the original language. If prayer is the word that we use to describe communicating with God, then worship is expressing our love for God through prayer. Because you can't worship him without connecting with him. And so our worship needs to be prayerful. So let's review. Real worship will be wholehearted. It will be obvious yet personal. Real worship will be regular but not routine. It will be sacrificial. It will be honoring to God. It will be impacting my life. And it will be prayerful. So how about you? Are you worshiping God? Are you living in harmony with him? Do you communicate with him regularly? privately and publicly? Do you offer to him everything you've got because you know that that's what he deserves? Can you express your love to him freely and fully? Just as we finish up here this morning, we're going to take the time to sing a few more songs. And what I want to ask you to do this morning is this. Make these more than just songs. Use these songs that we're going to sing as a vehicle for your worship.